We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is prediction day. It's Friday, means Notre Dame tomorrow. It's Notre Dame and USC tomorrow, Vince, in a big, big game. It's rivalry weekend, which means there's big games on all over the place. It means we're going to see Notre Dame or USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Florida State is tonight. All types of big games are going to be on this weekend, and we are going to preview them all. I am joined by Vince D'Addario. That's Ryan Roberts. Not sure where he went for a second. <laughs> but, uh, guys, obviously the big game that matters most to us in, and really has huge implications in, for college football, and that's kind of the fascinating thing is if you're Notre Dame, you want to do one of two things. You want to make the playoff where you have a chance to compete for a championship, or you want your play to have an impact on it even in those years where you don't make it. And that's certainly where we are now. Right now, Clemson is on the outside looking in and needs help because of Notre Dame. USC currently, in my opinion, fellas, has control of their own destiny. If they went out, I think they're in. But they got to get through Notre Dame first. And so that's really where we are. And that's what's at stake in this game, guys, is Notre Dame has a chance to make a statement. Hey, we're not going to be in the playoffs, Vince, but we're going to make sure you aren't either and that's an interesting place to be and not really somewhere we've been in a while, not just because of, you know, where Notre Dame has been, but because USC hasn't been here before. This is their first legitimate sure. chance to really be a playoff team. So uh, it, it's it sort of feels like when we were kids, Vince, you know, where every year, you know, Notre Dame, USC, winner of that game late yeah. in the year in the Coliseum is going to have a chance to do something. And uh, I mean, that's that's to me where this rivalry should be. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, and I agree with you. I like it when both teams have something at stake. And I, I said it in my prediction that you posted this morning on the website is that, you know, everybody's talking about Notre Dame can play spoiler and Notre Dame can do all of these different things. That That's not the motivation. If it's me, if I'm on the team to play spoiler, there's a lot at stake for Notre Dame too. You know what I mean? And that I think that's the point you were getting at is that it's not just a spoiler situation right. for Notre Dame. It is a, there's a lot on the line for both teams. Yes, there's more on the line for USC. If they win, they they control their destiny. Championship they get a chance wise, of being in sure. the college football playoff, right? If Notre Dame wins, they get a chance of being in a New Year's Six and a chance to get that monkey off their back, right? So they've got mm-hmm. a lot to play for. And then there's kind of the, for me, the sub story is that they can play spoiler for USC and yeah. really the entire Pac-12. I mean, if we're being honest, right? It's not it's not just USC. I think it's the entire Pac-12. So that's nice. Like I I like that mm-hmm. part of it because it just adds to it, but. Overall, if, like if I'm coaching Notre Dame or if I'm on their team, it's not about playing spoiler. It's about what we can do for ourselves, what we have on the line. Excuse me, when we go out and win this game, like that's right. that's what the what I'm preaching to the team. Not that hey, we can go play spoiler for USC because that's always been that's been USC's thing against Notre Dame for the past few years. It hasn't worked out too well for them. Let me ask you this, Vince, before we move on to Ryan's feedback. I, I cause I, cause I get what you're saying. Like your job is to go out there and, and do what you need to do for Notre Dame. And obviously it's the side part, but would you as a coach this week say, Hey guys, the road to the college football playoff goes through us. So it's, 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 that's it's not saying, spo- it's, say yes. So it's yeah. not saying we're going to ruin their right. season. Like that, that's not motivation for me. Right. Number one exactly. is we're doing this, but number exactly. two, Hey fellas, we have a chance to go out there and we're going to determine who's right. going to make the college football playoff. Yeah, right. Absolutely. We couldn't yes. get it done against Ohio state. So they're sitting there in, we took care of business against Clemson. Now they're begging for us to win this weekend for multiple reasons. That's the other aspect of it is Notre Dame hurt Clemson to, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks ago, they can help Clemson this weekend. Yep. No right. And so Tiger fans it's, right that's now. it. It's Hey, the road to the college football playoff fellas, it goes through us. Yeah. Right. It goes through us. That's Crazy. an angle that I would take this yes. weekend, Vince. Because it's still about you. It's still about the team. It's not about what you can do to other people. It's about what you have control of over your yourselves and your team. And that's always my focus as a coach is what how does this how does this help me? You know, how how does this how does this reflect us? Right. Not what we can do to other people, but how does it reflect through us? And the fact that the road goes through Notre Dame, that's a Notre Dame thing. And that, that's where I would keep the focus. Well, I think it's kind of like a cherry on top for me, really kind of talking about the, you know, the spoiler aspect of everything, right? Notre Dame should not need any extra oomph to say, hey, we're, we're going to go on the road and we're going to play a USC team that is still a rivalry at its core, right? It's still a team that you dislike. It's still a team that you want to beat. It's a team where you're ending the season off in this way where, we, I mean, we've well-documented Notre Dame's struggles during the season, right? Early on, they get into a nice little rhythm. You've won eight of the last nine games. You've played well against some good football teams, and then you finally beat an inferior opponent last week handedly against Boston College, which was a, the next step, I think, in the maturation. So the ability to beat USC, I think that most of these guys understand the, just the inherent dislike that you take with USC, you want to beat them on the road. You want to end your season off right. And then the cherry on top is, Hey, they're a team that's still alive in the playoff race. Let's end that. Let's end those dreams to this week and let's get to a New York six game. I think that that's kind of the, 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 I don't call it reclamation, but it is a step back to the right direction that they weren't on uh, during early portion of the season. Ryan, I actually think you were right in the word that you did use, that you said you didn't want to use. I think it is a bit of a reclamation because if you look at where Notre Dame was in September, 
mean, after the first two games, people are talking about bench this kid, bench that kid, you know, fire this coach, fire that coach. This is why Marcus Freeman should have been hired in the first place. All this other nonsense that we heard after the first two games, you know, Tyler Buckner should have not be on scholarship, all this other nonsense that we heard. I mean, there was a major overhaul that needed to be done of your of the perception of your program because of how poorly it, it went. You started to get a little bit of that energy back, and then Stanford happened. So I, I do think this game is going to greatly impact how the season is viewed, and I do think it's a bit of a reclamation. So I, I think your instincts were right on that to, to, to view it that way because I do think it's a – it is a bit of a reclamation project from where they were preseason, top five. There's all this momentum to midseason. People are like, are they going to have any recruits left? You know, because that's kind of how people view losses, right? Like Notre Dame loses and everyone's going to decommit, right? I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Well, you know, you lose to Marshall and Stanford. Okay, I think it's silly to react that way. But back in my head, I'm a little concerned too. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? So I do think there was a reclamation that went on, in my opinion. And you can put that cherry on top with a win over USC. Because eight and four is, is, is to me, of a disappointing season. It, it no just doubt. is. Nine and three is probably a game off of where you should have been. You know, Vince, Correct. you and I talked before the season. The floor was 10 and two. Yes. You're not there now because you lost to Marshall and Stanford. Right. But I'll tell you what, I'll take ten and nine and three with wins over Clemson and USC then 10 and two where you lost two of those three games and eh, maybe you beat Clemson at home, but you lose to USC, you lose to Ohio state, right? That kind of thing. Sure. You, you win this, go nine and three, say, look, there's some stuff to clean up. You shouldn't have lost to Stanford and shouldn't have lost to Marshall, but you start feeling really good about the future of this program because the final piece to me is guys, it's another opportunity for Marcus Freeman to say this program is different. Yeah. We got to clean up the stuff that costs us the Stanford game and the Marshall game. We're going to learn from that. But you know what we're going to do that that could not be done by the previous four coaches, right, since Lou Holtz, is we're going to go toe-to-toe with any big team anywhere, and you're going to get our best. And that's what this team can show. Because even the Ohio State loss, people came out of that game, some people, national people, came out of the game more impressed with Notre Dame than they were going in. Sure. And and Notre Dame didn't even play. Guys, you – we all know they didn't even play well that game. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But their talent level showed up in that game. You well, end the season with a win over USC, Ryan, and all of a sudden how this team is viewed is dramatically changes. Well, I, Brian, I think it was either on our last show or, or one very recently, I talked about the three pillars of the season that Notre Dame was going to be judged upon. And it was Ohio State, Clemson more in the middle of the season, and then you end the year with USC on the road. Like those are three big brands in college football two that are have been extremely relevant in the last few years, and then USC that is hopefully getting back to the precipice, back to the top. So having those three games as a barometer of sorts, right, it's kind of like a testing. Like what, what, is, the, what is the upside of this Notre Dame team? How good can they be? Well, those, are your th- those were before the season your three tests that said, hey, those are the marquee games in your schedule. Those are the prime time. You have to be ready to play in those football games. And I would say Ohio State, you went toe-to-toe, came out on the wrong ends because of the second half, it just kind of fell apart a little bit down the stretch. Ohio State's a good team. They made some plays in the fourth quarter. But then you completely dominate Clemson, and then you have another opportunity tomorrow night to show that, hey, we are heading in the right direction. And despite a couple losses that we would love to have back, we showed that we can compete against any team in college football, that's what's on stake for Notre Dame is that the three pillars of this season that are judgment based upon the shortcomings that you've had in the past, Notre Dame has a chance to show two out of three times that you were the better, best football team on the field. And then if a couple things go differently in that Ohio State game, you have a chance to beat another top four team in the country, right? So I think that those three games are big barometers. And I think this one is going to tell a lot about where this Notre Dame team is heading. I'm going to say this too, guys, and I think this is this is a part of it as well. You know, USC has been down for a while. Notre Dame has completely controlled this series. Uh, Notre Dame has won four in a row. And if I'm remembering correctly, they have won five of the last six, with the only exception being the 2016 season. USC was a struggling program that was having a hard time recruiting until Lincoln Riley showed up. And so, I think what you what you also need to do in this game, which is also something at stake, is specific to the rivalry, is still letting USC know, hey, great job, fellas. We're glad you're back. 
we're glad you're good again. You're not ready for us yet, right? Or the opposite side of USC saying, in one year, we could catch you and surpen pass you. In one year, we were able to do that because of whatever reasons why, right? And so I think that's at stake too. It's And it's not just bragging rights. This is something that impacts perception. But number two, more importantly, Ryan, to, you know, for your specific area of, of what you do at Irish Breakdown, you're, you're, well, you do a lot, but your number one area at Irish Breakdown from a recruiting standpoint is this is still, this is a statement game for one of these two teams to recruits across the country. USC is either, C, we told you we're back, or B, Notre Dame is, hey guys, great job. We're glad that you're beating you now finally means something for us, but you're not there yet. And that's, I think, something that's at stake as well that we haven't talked a lot about this week. Well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Vince. Okay, I was just going to say, I'll even go bigger picture with it because the way way college football is going right now, right, with basically free agency and the portal and all of those different things, USC is the model for what current – the current wave of college football with with the transfer portal and everything that they did to get to where they are right now, and Notre Dame is – not and so you almost Mm -hmm. have like the old school versus the new school what's going to win i mean that that is to me that's a bigger picture situation yeah you know maybe has nothing to do with this actual game itself but no it it does old school it's like i i I really kind of want the old school like you build your program up from the bottom up as opposed to you just go out and rent talent and there you are Vince, I'm going to speak to that here in a second. I want to give Ryan a chance to 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 talk about that recruiting question because I think that's an interesting thing, Vince. Uh, that I want that that's a good, very good point I want to bring up. But Ryan, I want to kind of get that recruiting aspect of it as well. It's just well, what this game could mean for Notre Dame, good or bad, from a recruiting yeah. standpoint. Well, well, Brian, we talked about a in the past. We talked about a matchup that we would like to see for recruiting implications. I know we talked about Tennessee in the past because Tennessee is a team that has a lot of momentum. They've had a good season. They have kind of a, they, they have kind of a cool vibe to them. Right. And then they had the NIL backing, right. USC is another team that has the cool aspect to them in a lot of people's eyes, right. It's Hollywood. It's, you know, it's cool. Here's the hype videos, all that good stuff. And then they have the NIL backing as well. So I think that if Notre Dame's able to go out to California and potentially dominate USC, I think that that's kind of pokes holes in the, or your Hollywood, but like, what does that actually mean? Right. We're still Notre Dame. We still have kind of that, that physical toughness to us that like, okay, right. you could be Hollywood all you want, because we're still going to punch you in the mouth. Right. At the end of the day. So I think that, that this is just an opportunity for one of the cool brands right now with a new head coach, with a team that is playing good football with momentum that is building to kind of knock them back a couple pegs. Right. Cause when USC is good, they're an attractive football team for a lot yes. of recruits. They are. Yes. It's a big brand. They've had a lot of success. And you have to remember a lot of these kids in their lifetime, some of their earliest memories are probably like the Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, sure. like that era, right? And that's cool. That was really cool back in the day, the peak, end of the Pete Carroll era. Like they can get behind that and say, you know, if we get back to that, like that's that's cool, man. That They made right. that really, really neat to be a part of. So Notre Dame has a chance to kind of, throw the cool thing out of the out of the building for a second and just punch right. him in the mouth and say, hey, we have the longevity. We have the withstanding. We're still cool, just in a different way. Well, yeah, or it's this. It's like, hey, look, if you care, if all you care about is LA and being in the media place, that's cool. We understand that. This isn't the place for you because here we still care about championships. Well, if USC beats you and then all of a sudden they're playing for the Pac-12 title or let's say they beat Oregon, who if it's Oregon or whoever they get in a rematch, they say, hey, look, you can come here and be cool and play for championships. And so that's going to be that's going to be a big part of this game. So there's a ton at stake, Vince. And I think, Vince, for you, it's very fascinating, the, the point that you brought up, because and we'll get to predictions here very soon. We just wanted to kind of really talk about the magnitude of this game. But I think the, the point you brought up, Vince, was really interesting because. There's programs that have gone the portal route that it has been a disaster right short-term success like a Michigan State but then you lose all those transfers and the next year you didn't develop your program the right way through high school and all of a sudden bam if you don't have a similarly impactful offseason you're going to be in trouble from a portal standpoint yeah right right. and and, and, and nil's and uh, you know there's the nil aspect of it you look at Texas A&M 
know, they got transfers, they got NIL stuff, and they're a dumpster fire because they're not bringing kids in for the right reasons. Then you have programs like USC and LSU who went heavy into the portal, and all of a sudden they've been able to turn themselves around. And then there's examples of teams that have tried to go the portal route, and it hasn't worked. For Bama, it ha- it didn't work, right? Now, you could argue it's not necessarily that they went the portal route, but it's they didn't get they, 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 it didn't work out, right? Jermaine Burton hasn't been as good as they'd hoped. Tyler Harrell's been banged up. You know, Jameer Gibbs has been really good. Tyler Steen's okay, but not – and he's not a replacement for the, you know, uh, Evan Neal, right? I mean, it, it – so – and why did you need to go that? Because y'all didn't do a good enough job recruiting and developing receivers the way that you had, right? So there's these diff- these dichotomies, but Notre Dame is still the ultimate. Now, look, Notre Dame has transfers, right? They're starting safety. Absolutely. They had a quarterback yeah. last year. They're, you know, Lohi Gilman was a transfer, right? But Notre Dame is – Notre Dame fans need to understand this, and we talked about this a little bit on the message board today. Notre Dame will look to the portal at times to fill certain needs. Right. But Notre Dame is still going to be a recruit high school kids and develop high school kids program. Can that be good enough? Can that development, that investment, that three, four years together be good enough to beat the team of free agents? Right. That's what's going to be fascinating about this game because if you look at it, there's probably more high-level talent, more top 10 draft picks on the USC roster right now than the Notre Dame roster. At least guys that are playing, right? But is that collection of outside guys that came in for certain reasons good enough to beat the team that developed it the the, the traditional way, we'll say? That's, uh, that's going to be – whether that's actually how this game plays out or why – doesn't mean it won't be the talking point. Sure. Oh, well, it's an absolute talking point. Just because something – it may or may not be that way. I mean, USC may go out and beat Notre Dame tomorrow, and the guys that make the biggest plays are the guys that have been there. Maybe Andrew Voorhees dominates. It may be, you know, Tuli has a great game off of the edge. It may be Sierra Wright has a couple picks, right, a kid that they recruited out of high school. It may be that type of situation. Or it may be the transfers make the biggest plays. We don't know how to go, but that does just because that may not be the reality doesn't mean the perception won't drive the talking point, and that's yeah. the that's the aspect. And it also helps Notre Dame recruiting guys because hey, look, you can you can do all this route, but if you stay here and you stay invested, your time will come and you'll get a chance to be a star. I, I think it's I, fascinating. Yeah, I think that if if USC can win this game and then ultimately go to the college football playoff, their roadmap is going to try to be copied by numerous schools moving forward. I really do believe that because they did it in one year. New coach, uh, 30 new players or whatever the number is, right? A lot of those guys are playing. A lot of those guys are contributing. A lot of those guys are the quote-unquote stars of the team that led them to the playoff if they get there, right? So I think you're going to see a ton of copycats. If Notre Dame can win this game, I'm not saying USC is irrelevant, but they didn't make it to the playoff, right? And so it's going to be less of a temptation to model that path, right? To, to, to model that, that uh, road to quote unquote victory. So I, I think this game is kind of critical to see where college football as a whole mm-hmm. goes from here, because if they don't make it all the way down, then people are like, well, okay, well, it's good. They got a lot of regular season wins, but it didn't really, you know, they weren't really a team and all these different things. The league's not very good. Right, right, right. There's going to be a lot of excuses. But if they can win and they go to the college football playoff, there's going to be a lot of coaches out there be like, wow, look what USC did, man. We can do that here. So it's going to be interesting. Final piece for me, Ryan, about this, and we'll move on to the next point of this. I think this is the kind of game, if Notre Dame can win, can also help in the portal. Because Mm -hmm. there will be a couple kids that Notre Dame can look at. Look, here's the deal. I'm just going to brace you all now. When I put this on the message board yesterday, there's going to be literally thousands of kids entering the portal in the next few weeks. Literally thousands. There's going to be some big time recruits, Ryan, former five star recruit, former top hundred guy that are going to be jumping into portal. And the tent, the 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 Notre Dame fans are going to see it and immediately want to come run into the message board, running to Twitter, saying, "This guy's in the portal. That guy's in the portal." You think Notre Dame can look at him? Notre Dame won't be able to look at ninety nine percent of those kids. Right. Correct. That's just where they are. I'm complaining about, oh, they need to change this. Then. Okay, fine. I don't have a say in that. Ryan doesn't have a say in that. Vince doesn't have a say in that. And most likely, I did. everybody listening to this podcast doesn't have a say in that. Most likely. So it is what it is. There will be kids, however, that Notre Dame can go after. And a game like this can matter as well because if Notre Dame can beat 
a US, a portal team in USC and say, hey, look, you can go to USC and get a one-time deal and maybe you get a, a nice little payout and you go out to LA for a year like Jordan Addison did. Or you could say, okay, you want to come here. You're going to get NIL money. It's not going to be that, but you're going to get NIL money. But you're not only come come play, you're going to play, you're going to get a lot of yards. You're going to get a lot of catches, a lot of tackles, a lot of sacks. But you're going to get a chance to play for a championship because we played that portal team and we whipped their butts. That's what's at stake for Notre Dame, Ryan, because – and it's again, it's it's not for 10 kids. It's for that one or two kids, because Notre Dame's also going to be able to point to USC and say, hey, did you see all the kids that transferred there that it didn't work out? Yeah. Jordan Addison. He went from Bolitnikoff winner to just a dude statistically. Right. Mario Williams had a chance to be a breakout player alongside of Marvin Mims at Oklahoma. But now he's just a complimentary player. Terrell Bynum could have been a really productive player at Washington or transferred somewhere else. I mean, looked at Notre Dame and been their number one dude. But instead, he went to USC, and then they recruited over him with other portal guys, right? And he didn't play. So is that really the route you want to go, or do you want to come here right. because you're the – here's the thing to say, and they actually – it's true. You're the only portal receiver we're looking at. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, there's other guys they may like, but you're the only one they can get. I think that pitch can really work if Notre Dame can still say, hey, we're that team. We're still that team. Then the one or two portal areas they want to look at you can you can have a better chance to pitch it. Like, look, we can't compete on the in the NIL sphere to that level. We can you're gonna get your money, right? But this is what we can offer you. And because NFL teams still like winners, go look at what happened the year after LSU won a title. Do you think yeah. if LSU goes eight and four again, they have 15 kids drafted that year? They don't. I'm I'm telling y'all they don't. Do you think John Fitzpatrick what's his name? John uh, Fitzpatrick from Georgia gets drafted if Georgia's a six and sixteen last year. He does not. He was like their third, four string tight end, right? Reality, like it or not, the NFL overdrafts players from the best teams. It's just a fact, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what Notre Dame can pitch as well, Ryan. I, I think it could also be a cautionary tale to players that are already on a team that are debating on the transfer portal, right? It's like the grass is not always greener on the other side. So I think that there's, I think there's a valid arguments or valid conversation to both sides of it right it's like the kids that are already out there and there's gonna be a lot of kids there's already i saw a report yesterday that there's already 1500 players that have entered the transfer portal in the last week or so right so there's so gonna not be good talent the game it's, it's wild so man. not good for the game it's not what lessons not. are we teaching young people you're not happy about your situation your coach is mean to you you're not playing as much just jump in the portal you know like yeah. jacob lacy I-, I like jacob lacy as a kid but he's literally going from one of the best defenses in the country, a team that's competing for championships, to one of the worst power five. And all, the only thing that's changing for him, he's going to get more snaps. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what it's turned into. Well, you go get yours. You know, you're not happy about this. You're you're playing on a team that's got a chance to go be something, and you know you're not going. You're going to leave because you're not getting enough snaps. This is so yeah. bad. This is so bad. It's, it's wild, so man. It really is wild. I saw that report. I'm just like 1,500 already. Like some, some teams aren't even done their season. Well, most teams aren't even done their season yet, right? Like it's, yeah. it's just kind of wild to think about. But I think Brian, you bring up a great point for the people that are looking for a new team, for the players that are out there. I think that there is is a cautionary tale potentially of hey, maybe I need to find the best fit. Maybe I need to do a little more research on where I'm going. And then for other players that are maybe thinking about the portal that could tell them, Hey, the grass isn't always greener wherever you're going to go, wherever the next destination is. Right. So I think that there's validity to both sides of the transfer portal argument. I also think that it's a, if Notre Dame is able to, let's say dominate USC tomorrow or beat convincingly, if we don't want to quite go to dominate, I also think that it's a push to like, hey, yeah, that team is talented. You mentioned Jordan Addison. You mentioned Terrell Bynum, Brandon Rice, Shane Lee. There's a lot of transfers on that team, obviously. But if Notre Dame's able to beat them, because we already talked about Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame has a starting safety that's a former transfer. Outside of that, not a ton more. You have a backup defensive tackle that's a transfer. You have a transfer punter, kicker and punter. John Sott, like, baby. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's it, though. I mean, there's not a ton of transfers on this Notre Dame team. So I think there is a conversation that can still be had, like, Hey, the transfer portal is an awesome quick fix. We saw what Michigan State did last year, but now we see what happened to them this year because they weren't able to develop the actual players yep. through their pipeline. If Notre Dame is able to defeat a team like a USC handedly, you can say there is still the push to be that team 
that can, that recruits high school players mostly, takes a couple transfers when it makes sense, and they develop properly from the ground up. They're the products of the system and the development that they have. So it's a fascinating conversation between transfer portal, developed through the high school ranks. But regardless, I think that this is a perfect demonstration of transfer portal versus developed through the through the high school route because that's 90-plus percent of what Notre Dame does to develop their players. And then USC is the team that's the latest quick fix. So I think that that is a – interesting case study that we're going to see tomorrow nights kind of people are going to talk about it too much, but I think that it is something to kind of think about a little bit. So let's get back to the specifics of this particular game and the outcome of this game. That was a great conversation guys, exactly what I was looking for. And let's get into sort of a lead into our predictions. And number one, we're going to kind of do a, a good and a bad. Okay. And the first part of it is if Notre Dame does what you think they're going to do, Right, because we all we all picked a positive outcome tomorrow. If Notre Dame is going to do what it's capable of, or does what you think it can do, what are three things that have to happen for Notre Dame to achieve that level of success? To go on the road, beat a top ten team on the road, and end their season with a strict sixth straight win. So, Vince, I'll start with you. What are the three things that you say if they play to the level? I think I'm pretty confident it'll be because this happens, this happens, and this happens. Number number one by far is they have to make Caleb Williams average. You don't have to stop him. You don't you don't have to hurt him. You know, you don't none of that You're kind of stuff. You're talking about production wise. Right. Production he has to be average. That's it. Average. You can't let him be elite. If he's elite, he he has the ability to put this team on his shoulders and go win the game by himself. He does. You can't let him do that. He has to be average. So there's obviously we talked you and I talked about this a lot on Wednesday, right? <clears throat> There's a lot of things that go into making him average, but you have to make him average. Okay, that's mm-hmm. number one. Number two, you have to dominate the trenches, and and part of that is making Caleb Williams average because you have to keep him in the pocket. You have to you know make him think twice about certain things, but offensively, you have to dominate. You have to be able to run the football. You know you have to be able to do all of those things that make you dominant in the trenches, right? When they know you're going to run duo, you have to be able to run duo when they when, but then you have to come at it with other things, but you have to be able to dominate. You have to push those guys around. You have to make them want to quit and make them imagine that they're on the beach someplace laying out, you know, just this a lot. Uh, you, that's what you want. Okay. So you got to dominate. And the third one is something that we talked about on Wednesday as well. Somebody that is not a star has to step up. Somebody whether that's Chris Tyree, even though I think he's a star, whether that's Chris Tyree, whether it is, uh, you know, again, Cam Hart is questionable, right? And so I always try to think negative, right? That he's not going to play. So who steps up in his spot, right? That's going to be somebody that's not a star. If Brandon Joseph can't play, who steps up in his spot? Maybe he's going to be a guy that makes a game-changing play, right? Maybe it's one of the, maybe Colsey has a big catch, for a big first down like he's done the past few games that really extends a drive and gets him in, you know, gets him into scoring. Maybe it's Blake Groupie, right? Maybe he kicks a field goal or something that propels them and scores on a drive that they wouldn't have scored on and changes the field position, you know, whatever. One of your non-stars has to be a star tomorrow in order for this team to win, period. So those are my three, and I probably stole a bunch from you guys. So no, it's good. It's good. good. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I, I think for me, one that Vince kind of talked about a little bit, but I just want to expand upon a little more because I think there's a way to functionally do it is Vince mentions you have to limit Caleb Williams. You have to make him an average player from a production perspective. And I think the way that you do that is that there's two key positions that I think I'm going to be really looking at in this football game. One is the defensive ends, the edge players in this cl- in this game for Notre Dame to be able to keep him in the pockets as much as possible to not let him have some free run outside working on the run, breaking out of structure. And then secondary for me to be in the proper position all the time. So I'm talking about discipline from the defensive line perspective, keeping in your, maintaining your gap integrity, maintaining your rush lanes. And then secondary wise, I 
I think that there's going to have to be a big play in this football game from a turnover, hopefully, in the secondary for Notre Dame. But I think more than anything, you have to limit the impact that these receivers can have after the catch. You have to keep them in front of you, right? So I think that discipline from a secondary and a rush perspective are really important, and that kind of just comes to limiting the passing game for USC. That's kind of the over-encompassing thing that I need to see. The big, Probably the biggest thing, though, the biggest key that I wanted to harp on is – we know, well, in theory, we believe that Notre Dame's offensive and defensive lines should have the clear advantage in this football game, in theory, on paper. Especially on offense, Notre Dame's yes. offense, right. I, I think that now we need to take theory to practice in this one, right? That has to be a fact. Notre Dame has to dominate on both sides of the trenches. You have to make a strength an absolute strength. You can't eke out of this game and be like, wow, Notre Dame's offensive line was a little better than USC. No, it's not how you win this football game. Your strength needs to be a dominant strength. And then my biggest key on the defensive side of the football for Notre Dame, just from a defensive perspective, and we talked about this the other day, Brian, USC is a great passing attack. They have had some success rushing the football. Obviously, they're averaging over five yards a carry. They've run over 180 yards a game but it is not the identity that they hang their hat on. And for me, Notre Dame needs to make this a one-dimensional football game. I'm okay with USC throwing the football, as crazy as that sounds. I do not want them to be a balanced attack in this football game. So you have to limit the run. You have to shut down the run, right? Like I don't want that to be a factor in this football game. Make Caleb Williams work for everything he does. And then it's about discipline to stop that. But more than anything, and I kind of come back to my second thought, is that your biggest strengths in this team, where you're built through the trenches, have to be a dominating factor in this game for them to win. Here's mine. Vince, you guys, you both touched on one. They have to win in the trenches. And I'm a, I'm a, I, well, I'll, I'll just get to my other point of my follow up to that in, in the next take. Have to dominate the trenches. My number two is if we're sitting here in the, in the post-game show tomorrow, we're going to be sitting here. If Notre Dame wins, they're going to be sitting here praising Tommy Reese and Al Golden for the game plans they put together. Had USC off balance the whole game. You know, Reese has the defense on their heels. Golden has – because that's what's going to go into making Caleb Williams look average production-wise. It's not going to be because all of a sudden, you know, your players are so good that that he he's not really as good as people – no, he's really stinking good. It's going to be scheme related, you know, winning in the trenches, but also you keep, he's still a sophomore quarterback and it's, you know, it's about making him think more and you're guessing and you can, you can scheme him into some mistakes basically like they did with CJ Stroud in the opener. And like they did with Drake may, they schemed both of those guys into mistakes. Can you do that with Caleb Williams? They're going to have to, if they're going to win and same thing with Tommy Reese. And then my third one is it's Drew Pine. Look, I don't see – I don't think Notre Dame can beat USC the way they beat Clemson. I don't. I don't think they can beat USC with the quarterback throwing for 85 yards. I just, I just don't. I, I have a hard time believing that. This is a this is a completely different matchup, right? Clemson was not an offense that we thought could score a lot on Notre Dame. We ne- None of us ever thought that they could. USC can score on Notre Dame. I mean, will they? We'll find out. But they're much more capable of it than Clemson was. So you knew you could, you you know, and I didn't think they could beat Clemson that way either. So I'm in, in, in full disclosure, if you'd have told me before the game, Drew Pine's going to go 9-17 and throw for 85 yards against against Clemson, I'd have been like, that's that's not good. They may squeak out like a low-scoring game because the defense just plays great and the wind has a factor on Clemson, whatever. But I, I wouldn't have thought that they could win that game. Or I would have said they got a pick six and a, you know, and a plump, pump block for touchdown and all that, and they would have won 17-14 to 14 because of that. I wouldn't have thought that they were going to go out and run for 286. But this is a different animal. USC is a different animal. You could play well against USC and hold them to 27 points. I mean, you could. So I, I think you're going to have to score more. So I think Drew Pine's going to be a, going to have to play good football. He doesn't have to play out of his mind. I'm not asking Drew to go, you know, be the second coming of Brady Quinn for this game. I'm not saying that. Just be solid. Just be, a, you know, I, he doesn't have to play four quarters of what he did the first half against navy or the first quarter against bc just just be solid just be what you were against bc with three different throws going in a different direction right that's all i'm asking for and if he does that this offense is very hard to stop in my opinion so that's my third one 
let's go opposite direction, fellas. If things don't turn out the way that we hope they turn out on Saturday night, what are the two or three things that you are think are going to be the reason? And I'm going to give one that I think all of us agree on, and then I'll let you guys give the others because this way we can just get this one out of the way because we're all going to say it. <laughs> the Notre Dame defensive line doesn't have a, its game. This is yeah. this is a good defensive line for Notre Dame. It's not what it's been in past years, in my opinion. It's not the 2018 defensive line, in my opinion. It's not the 2012 defensive line, and of just which was just dominant, right? It's good. It's really beat up inferior teams. USC's offensive line is getting too much hype based on them being like a Joe Moore Award finalist. They're still much better than they were last year. Notre Dame dominated USC's offensive line last year. This is a much better coached offensive line. And we can't sit there and say, well, why is Notre Dame's offensive line better? Oh, it's good coaching. Without also looking and seeing what USC has done with their new offensive line coach. He's done a really good job, especially in pass protection. Their run game, Ryan, I think is still more scheme related than Mm -hmm. they're playing great. But pass pro-wise, he's done a really good job of getting this unit to play better. So I'm a little bit more concerned about whether or not that side can dominate the way it needs to than I was a year ago or I would have been before the season. So I think that is one. I mean, both trenches are a concern. If they don't dominate, then it could be a problem. But the bigger one for me is I'm a little bit more nervous about whether or not the Notre Dame defensive line can dominate USC well enough. So that's one that we would we all agree on that one. That was going to all be on our list, right? So, Ryan, let's go back to you. Then we'll go to Vince. What are the other couple things that you – if we're sitting here Saturday night, Notre Dame just lost, what do you think are going to be – what are the things like – not the things like turnovers, but like what are your biggest concerns about this game that – could give you some pause of, yeah, but I'm a little nervous about that. Right, right. Well, I mean, if I had to throw two more in, the one I kind of already mentioned a little bit and kind of their keys is I don't think USC is a great running team. I think that they've been opportunistic in running the football because their passing game is so good. But with Travis Dye out, who is the best running back by a decent margin this year, and Austin Jones, who's a good football player, you know, a good space player, being their main back right now with a, you know, Relique Brown, who's a true freshman as his main backup. Now, if Notre Dame is, is struggles to stop the run tomorrow night, I think that is incredibly troubling. I really mm-hmm. think it is because we've talked about the willingness that Notre Dame needs to have to make them a one dimensional football team at USC. And if USC is able to run the football, I think that that is, it's not a great sign. It's not mm-hmm. because if the running game is working, the passing game is most likely working big time. And then I think the other thing, Brian, is it's a big environment. Your Saturday night football in California, Notre Dame versus USC. You're playing a great team, right? You're playing a team that is sitting at 10-1 and one right now. They are, have been a very good team this year. Better than I anticipated them being for the full scope of the season. I thought they would be good by the end of the season. Early in the season, I thought there may be a couple hiccups, but they've only had one hiccup so far this year, and that was a close loss to Utah. So I think that for me, and I come back to this a lot, is you're playing against a team that is as good as just about anyone of turning or creating turnovers defensively. Because I think Notre Dame is going to be able to move the football on USC. They're not a great pass defense. They're not a great run defense. What USC has done is they've been a bend – but we're going to intercept you late in this football game. You know, bend but don't break defense. They have 18 interceptions on the season. They forced 25 turnovers. Notre Dame offensively cannot shoot themselves in the foot, and that is mostly for the turnover conversation for me. Drew Pine has not been fantastic, but one thing he's done a pretty good job of, he hasn't turned the ball over a ton, yeah. right? I think he only has four, four interceptions, five interceptions, five interceptions, I believe. And that cannot be an in, a, a, this cannot be the game where USC forces him to be something that he isn't, which has been a not he has not been a turnover prone quarterback this season. So if they're able to force a couple bad mistakes, force a couple turnovers, add to that total, maybe maybe Audric Estime is a guy that we've talked about with a fumbling issue at one point. He's kind of put that in the past. As of now, he's been really clean the last couple games. But Notre Dame, I think, just offensively you can't shoot yourselves in the foot you're going to be able to move the football in this team I believe you're going to be able to get in the red zone we talked about you have to finish drives that's a 
foregone conclusion. But more than anything, I think Notre Dame offensively can't shoot themselves in the foot. And defensively, you have to shut down the USC run game, make them one-dimensional. Those are the two biggest keys on top of what you already mentioned with Notre Dame's defensive line needs to get after it in this game. If they don't, then that's a bad sign going against a guy like a Caleb Williams. I'm going to say something before Vince answers real quick. Craziest stat line of the season for me. When you just watch the games play, you wouldn't think this is true. Drew Pine has 19 touchdowns and five interceptions as a starter this year, right? You can talk about sometimes stats can be a little misleading. You guys remember how well Ian Book played when he took over in 2018? We've we've both all agreed that Ian Book, if Ian Book would have played his whole career like he played in 2018, we have a, you and I, because, you know, we're not on the, oh, 31 and five. I don't care about all that, right? If he played his whole career like he played in 2018 when he took over, Notre Dame's got a really dynamic offense the next two years. You know, kid averaged about 300 yards a game passing as he took over. Ian Book had a 19 to seven touchdown to interception ratio in 2000 in 2018 when he took over. Drew Pine is a 19 to five touchdown to interception ratio. The interceptions, I okay, five, it's good. He doesn't throw a ton. The 19 touchdowns is the interesting one because he has. Uh, three games this year, guys, where he's thrown at least three touchdown passes. And he has uh, six, uh, see, five games where he's thrown at least two as a starter. So that's a fascinating stat for me when you think of how how infrequently Notre Dame throws the ball. Uh, so I just found that interesting, Ryan, was you were talking about that. Vince, what are the things, if we're sitting at the end of the game and you're and we're not in the greatest mood, what are the things that you're mm-hmm. most most concerned about? Well, Ryan took my biggest one, and I was going to talk about Ian, uh, Ian Book. See, you got me saying it. Sorry, my bad. No, that's okay. Uh, I was going to talk about Drew Pine and turning the ball over, and I know that that's such an easy one to go for, but this USC defense, they're, they're ball hawking. They have a ton of interceptions this year. He can't put the ball in harm's way. Now, he's going to have to take some chances, and he's going to have to look for some explosive plays and all of those things, and he may turn it over a little bit. But that can't be the difference in the game. Like, Drew Pine can't be the difference in a negative way. If they lose this game, I think that might be the case. And, and that won't be good. So, I'll Ryan did a great job of going down that road. So, I won't go down that road. I'll stay on the offense. I'll say that the wide receiving core needs to play like they played the last few games, not how they played the first few games. Because in the first few games, they weren't blocking. Their routes were not good. I mean, they, they, their routes were not good at all. Uh, they weren't catching the ball with consistency. They just weren't good. Last few games, they're blocking their butts off on the perimeter. They are running good routes. They're making plays when they need to make them. You know, obviously, Braden Lindsay is the king of getting open and not getting the ball. That's not on him, but he needs to get the ball and be open still, right? He needs to continue that. You can't get frustrated and not run your routes at 100% because he's still – there's that one play. I think you said it on, on Wednesday, Brian. He may get he may touch the ball twice. He may get two targets. One of those targets needs to be huge. It needs to be a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? It needs to be a massive play. So you, as tempting as it is if you're Braden Lindsay to just be like, you know what? I'm never getting the ball. I am now Mr. 80%. You, you can't take that bait. You still got to be that guy, right? Uh, Colsey still has to be that guy on third down. Jaden Thomas needs to be that guy, right? Like they all need to keep playing and they need to continue to play the way they've been playing the last few weeks as a core group. I think they've played very well and I've been very happy about it. They need to continue that. So that's my one thing. And my next one, it kind of goes down the road that you already talked about, Brian, and it is the game plan. I, we can't see a carbon copy game plan from, from another game this year. Can't have it right there. Now there can be bits and pieces, that you put together to make a game plan for the USC. philosophy won't change, right? The philosophy won't and, change. And, but, and that's but not your, what I'm but your, for. I know, but your right. da- your specific design within that philosophy has to be unique to USC. That's what Vince is exactly. saying. Exactly. Right? Yes, and you you need to do what he's done in the past. You need to go against tendency. You need to show something, but do something different. You need to get other guys involved. We talked about Chris Tyree, right? You need to get Braden Thomas involved from the slot, but correctly. Right, he doesn't need to be doing any jet reverses. That's not who Braden Thomas is. He is a guy that is a mismatch with a linebacker. Use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Use Mitchell Evans to your advantage down the seam because they're going to have all their attention on Michael right. Mayer. Right, but you also need to feed Michael Mayer. Again, stars need to be stars. He's your star. You need to feed him. Right, but don't force it. So mm-hmm. a lot of this is going to come down to game plan, man. I have a lot of faith 
in the execution of this team at this point in the now, season. Now, right I now. Do. At yeah. this point. At a month ago. Season. Right. Oh, absolutely. But right now I have a lot of faith in them. But they need to have the right tools to go out there and be successful. So game plan, turnovers, wide receiving core. And again, all my stuff's on the offense because that's the side of the ball that I think really needs to step up this game. My, mine are basically, guys, everything that comes from a byproduct of the defensive line not playing well. Because if the defensive line doesn't play well, it just impa- it means the run game will work. It means they the receivers will be getting open for potential big plays or at least clutch plays. The D-line really starts it all. And so, for me, defensively, it's just that. Because everything else that happens because of that is because of that. And that's going to be the key. So, I need to see the defensive line play well. If Notre Dame loses this game, it's because they get outscored uh, and they just can't keep up with USC's offense, which all is a byproduct of the defensive line. Now, I talked about the game plans and all that kind of stuff. So, the opposite of all the things that I'm excited about are are true. But I think it all boils down to the the game plan can be good, but if the defensive line doesn't play well, they don't make plays, they can't tackle Caleb Williams in the backfield when they do get free – they're not. They're losing gap integrity in the run game. They're not getting their hands up. Caleb Williams is comfortable. All those things. You are not going to stop this receiving core from making plays if if he's got time to throw. I don't, I don't care how good you're. You could take an all star team of secondary players, and guess what? They're not going to be able to cover all day. You, it's just not how football works. So that's going to be a big key for me. And then offensively, it just comes down to Drew Pine's just missing open opportunities. I mean, again, we talked. The game plans aren't good. All that, but. It gets down to Drew Pine just not able to make the plays he needs to make. There's opportunities there, and he can't hit them. That's gonna be that's gonna be the thing for me that uh, this boils down to. 